0: He is one of the finest journalists in this city and he will be sorely missed, not just by Channel 7 because he turns out so many great stories for them every week, but also by the viewers. When Brendan comes on the screen, you pay attention. What's the story? What's the thing? What's his take? What's your GLT? When you are in a cab
1: or an Uber, talk to your driver. You never know what you will find out. The world is a village, Corrie. The world is a village.
0: We actually have forgotten how to relax and when we do decide it's time to relax, we feel guilty. Inside there's this little voice that says you must not be sitting on the sofa reading a book for half an hour because you've got this to do and that to do and that to do and that to do. There's some really good Adele songs that you can change the words to. I think Adele would
1: be horrified to think that her works of art were ending up at Bridge Congress as a sing-along. I said, keep your mint in a separate pot. It's <laughs> what I said to you, Cory, because it goes
0: everywhere! It's everywhere! Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Cory Perkin.
1: Hello, it's that time of the week again. It is Don't Shoot the Messenger. We are here for episode 117. Corrie Perkin, I'm Caroline Wilson. You have plenty to talk about, and so do I. The Modern Relaxed Woman, Your Fish Taco Recipe versus Mine, Queen, The Bridge Congress.
0: Where do we start, Corrie? I can't wait to hear about the Bridge Congress, but first of all, we should probably um, do some housekeeping. I yep. have some housekeeping, Caro, about the weevils. <laughs> I know I can hear all our Don't Shoot the Messenger fans out there going, oh, not those flipping weevils I know. again. well... <laughs> It's just
1: something I've never really experienced. So either I go through my flower quicker than you do, or
0: I don't know. I don't know. Or as my mother said, you're a very bad housewife with that pantry of yours. Now, uh, I mentioned Tracy Sisson, our friend who had uh, used to own a wonderful catering shop and um, beautiful, beautiful food takeaway place in Turak Road. Uh, no longer has the store, but she listens to the podcast and of course contacted about the weevils. and I read out her solution last week, Carol, and talked about putting cloves of garlic inside your flour and your rice containers sitting on baking powder. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> which was a fairly we ridiculous... couldn't we couldn't quite get our handle on that. So Tracy's come back going,, I oh, just heard your GLT. The clove of garlic with the skin on sits on a layer of baking paper, not baking powder. So I went back and looked at the original text. Tracy. you did write baking powder, but that's okay. We all make an error. Hey, it's me. How many times do I get things wrong? Well, I'm glad that Tracy's verif- clarified so that. So you put it, it on baking powder, and this is then placed on top of the rice or the flour in the container, and P.S. I'll send the savoury muffin recipe for Caro. So I'll, we'll read that out next week.
1: Yes, and um, our friend Kelly Island's been in touch from Brisbane. He's thrilled to have been given a plug on the podcast, highly embarrassed that she's been referred to as international. She <laughs> tries our recipes and then just gets, we always put in a rogue ingredient. It just defeats her. But she does claim to make very good scones and I'm trying to entice her scone recipe out of her. Um, Ria, what's your favourite herb chat last week? Lots of praise for my herb garden, snaps Corrie. And our friend Lynn Wright has just said, favourite herb, dill or basil. Then again, there's sage, mint or coriander. I give up. Annie Benton, Parsley. I mean, she's right, Corrie. She knows it's daggy, but it only self-seeds in um, a very small piece of dirt. It's also a taste bud life to some pretty marginal meals that have graced her table. Parsley is fantastic in anything.
0: Can we talk about good for your
1: blood? Apparently, the the most
0: annoying herb, although I love it, is mint. So remember last year, my challenge—I don't know whether it was April or May—was to do the veggie patch. I said, keep your mint in a separate
1: pot. That's what I said to you, Corrie. (laughs) because it goes everywhere
0: it's Everywhere it is, He never listens to a word I say, and it attracts little
1: bugs too. So you that's can't... all right if it's in a pot, and you know what, you just cut it all back to nothing and it comes back again, oh, even more beautiful. I know it's just like a cockroach, it never disappears. Anyway, um, our March challenges, Corrie. We've finished February. I threw another jacket out this morning on my way to this podcast. Did you? I'm just shed, shed, shedding, <laughs> and you'll be happy to know that the only things I bought on my little last little mini break to the Gold Coast in the New South Wales North Coast was linen tea towels.
0: Oh, yeah, well... If you play your
1: cards right, you might... Oh, no, I gave you one the other week, didn't I? No, you did
0: give me one. You don't have to keep giving me tea towels. I gave you my best one. You know I collect them, but it's very kind of you to do that. Well... What's your challenge? um, My challenge is um, I apparently said this, according to Mandy Wildsmith, our lovely friend from Hardy Grant, who's a huge potty fan... I said this on a podcast a couple of months ago, and when she and I caught up for a coffee the other day, she said, you should make that your March challenge. And it's absolutely right. I said to you and Jane ages ago, my mother had this thing about saving things for best. You know, it might be a dress or it might be a nice bra or something.
1: The good room you never sit in.
0: Exactly. So I have decided to not save anything for best because I realized that uh, I have... uh, I didn't buy any summer clothes this year, stressing that, but I did buy a couple last year particularly because we had, you know, the big wedding with Will and Lib, and I had a few new dresses and things for that. And they're still in the cupboard. They've been worn once. Now, this has been a cooler summer, but do you know what? You've each had time, opportunities to Each wear them. time I've gone to wear something to go out, I've avoided those dresses, saving them for best. Honestly, best never comes, Caro. So I'm going to actually work hard on that. That's a great challenge. Is it? It's a fun challenge. Well, it's sort of fun. I don't know, really. It's fun. It's. I mean, I am obsessed about this. For example, I have beside my bed, or about, like most people do, about 30 books. And, Caro, there are about five beautiful hardcovers, some of which I bought when we went to England last year from beautiful bookshops like Hatchard's. I'm saving them for best. What the hell is with that? I haven't read them yet. It's... Maybe
1: you're a bit too busy on your screen,
0: Corey. <laughs> oh, can I just tell you about the screen? Look, I've tried to give you my monthly, I don't know how to do it on my screen here, but the screen time last week um, was down 37%, three hours and 29 minutes. So I've actually wow. cut it down for by about three hours a week. So if you add that up over a month, hey, wow, February challenge looking pretty good. That is really
1: impressive. So what's your challenge? Well, mine's a fun one too. And despite an unfortunate incident on the Gold Coast the other day at a beautician's regarding uh, coronavirus, I'm going to have a facial every month for the rest of the year. How good (laughs) is that?
0: Why is that a challenge?
1: Well, because when do you ever get around to booking a facial? When do you ever get around to booking yourself one hour of complete relaxation? When do you ever get that moment in your diary? This is
0: a tax deduction for you, Doll. Channel Nine could pay this. No,
1: it's not a tax. It's not actually. They it's would actually want they not. would want
0: their on screen talent to be looking good.
1: No, no. Well, you should
0: talk to your accountant about.
1: No, that. no, no. My accountant would. He's horrified that I even claim hair.
0: We need more female accountants. Who say, I think we yes! need.
1: I think what have we have a ne- facial. We need to do. It more stuff for ourselves. I mean, it might be expensive, although it's not. When you think about what it gives you—a facial, it's a massage, it's a facial. There are some you can get your eyelashes tinted. You know, as part of the deal,
0: and it's time it's out, relaxing. which we're going
1: to talk about later in the. And podcast, whenever I aren't have we? one, I fall asleep, so I must be I must be in forced relaxation. Do you snore for like me. you
0: did some nights? At- No. Well,
1: I don't know. I don't think so. I hope not. Imagine
0: if you were there snoring in the little. My aim is
1: to have so many facials (laughs) that I don't fall asleep because it's just. Hey, Caroline Wilson's in the next
0: booth. I can hear her snoring.
1: I'm so looking forward to it, and that's what I'm going to do. So that's my challenge. Okay, all right,
0: good. Now tell me all, you know, like bated breath about the Bridge Congress, but I think the story of the weekend (laughs) is the fact that your husband, Brendan Donoghue, state political reporter for Channel 7 here in Melbourne, announced last week that he is resigning. He's leaving Channel Seven. This is huge after thirty, 30 years. years. I was pregnant with Rose when Brendan started. So what at was Channel the catalyst? Seven. Tell all. I mean, the Walking Girls. The Walking Girls. The Walking Girls without you on Saturday, we were like, oh my god.
1: I know. Well, Trudy was the only Walking Girl who actually reads a paper because it was in the paper on Friday morning. It was you on page two of the don't Age. Read
0: the paper anymore? Brendan
1: goes. Doesn't Corrie read the paper? Doesn't? It? I said. Well, no, and, no, clearly not. No, I was at um, yoga
0: on Friday morning, so I didn't read the paper.
1: Uh, well okay um no look he has it's been coming for a while he wants a new challenge he has had he's had a really big few years he's lost both his parents within a year he has been at channel 7 as you said for 30 years um and he just wants to do something different so so he'll, so
0: he'll keep working he's not going to retire
1: no no he's too young to retire in his mind in his view and um and you want to keep spending money. Well I'm, well, I'm still working. I haven't retired.
0: Well, it's interesting, you know, because in all seriousness... Um, it's when, not about people... money. It's
1: about actually having something to do. And he wants to do something different. It's a big job now being a state political reporter on television because Channel 7 has two newsers now, 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. It's a massive day. There is no... Unlike working for a newspaper, you never stop you never stop you can never go to lunch with a contact you can never you're always out the you're always on the phone every morning at I don't know 6 6:30 and you know you're never home until whenever so he's it's been a wonderful job he's won, won a lot of awards he's done an absolutely brilliant job for many many years i don't think anyone could have done any better than he has and um he's respected from both sides um in the past, he's been offered, you know, I remember 15, 20 years ago, both the left and right were trying to get him to go and work for them. And I just think he thinks now it's time to have a bit of a break and come back later in the year doing something different.
0: Well, he is one, so of, the, watch this space. He is one of the finest journalists in this city and um, certainly has led the way in covering state politics for years. And he will be sorely missed, not just by Channel 7. Because he turns out so many great stories for them every week, but also by the viewers. When Brendan comes on the screen, I you, you pay attention. What's the story? What's the thing? What's his take? And, yeah, and, and all all talking heads talk to him. That's the other thing. Everybody respects him. So on I both think. Sides of yeah, the I, polit- look, I, I think I think you look. I think he'll miss it.
1: I think it's going to be. You know, relevance deprivation. Well, yeah, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, it's funny because because he plays golf occasionally, and because I play bridge occasionally, we we're, we're meeting people who are retired or semi-retired, or like you. You know, we've got friends who are ten years younger than us and ten years older than us, and it's interesting. Some people retire and never look back, and some of Brendan's closest friends have retired and are loving their lives. They walk into town and meet their friends for lunch. They've started going to the movies on their own and they've never gone to movies before. They obviously love golf. They've got a project here, a project there. They're helping mentor younger people. They're working as a consultant or advising other people on their businesses. I mean, there were so many things. I mean, Brendan was telling me about a meeting he had with a kid he's helping at, at another TV network. And, I, I mean, I didn't even realise he's been seeing this person for over a year but, you know, they all Mentoring, do. Yeah. So some And some people retire and go, oh, my God, it's a nightmare. You know, we accessed our super too early. So everyone's got a different story. Well, what so I was going to say... You,
0: you are walking into the unknown, except that he's not retiring. So... What I was going to say earlier was uh, I was reading something about retirement a few weeks ago, and it really did make me think, not that I'm near retirement age at all, or even could consider it at this stage, but... The, one of the tips is that you, whether you're male or female, you have to be in sync with your partner. So, uh, if one of you is still working, you have to really work out how that dynamic is going to work, and that the person who is retired or at home or, or more flexible has to understand that the person who's still working still has commitments. Uh, so, in your case, for example, I mean, I'm sure Brendan will work again, and there'll be lots of jobs, and he'll probably be as busy as you since you left the age, but Imagine if you're off to do footy classified twice a week. Brendan, Brendan's at home feeling resentful or relevance deprivation or whatever it is. These are issues in relationships. You're sitting at home, going, "You beauty, she's out of the house <laughs> now. I can relax. Pie night." <laughs> but you know what I mean. It puts tensions on relationships. You've got to kind of work this out. And they and the 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 article I was reading said that the best scenario is when both couples decide to do it around the same time, whether they both peel back. Like you two, for example, you know, away from full-time work, uh, or you both decide to retire together, and that's when you get the combi van and travel around Australia. I guess. Well, we did see a Can't lot. Really, see you going to Broken Hill in a combi van, but look,
1: no, but don't might. worry. It was the the prospect was thrown at me the other day because we had, I had three days, as you know, at the Bridge Congress on the well, Gold Coast. Oh, let's segue to that too. Yes. Um, so, and then then we had three nights or four nights on the Gold Coast, and then we, Brendan and I had a little mini break in Kingscliff on the New South Wales North Coast, the most beautiful spot. We saw a lot of vans, a lot of people a bit older than us, getting out their little mobile kitchens, sitting by beautiful rivers and lakes and oceans, and Brendan kept saying, could, could, would you like to do – would you like uh, – no. Well,
0: my, bro- no, I'm, my I'm, brother – I'm not a caravaner. I mean, my brother Steve and his missus, they, they do this a lot. Uh, they love it. They, love, I mean, they have been camping for thirty years. I love They're a road trip. Campers. I'll
1: stay in the, I'll, I'll stay in a bit of squalor, but I just don't think I'm a caravaner. I don't know. I'm just not oh, sure. Never say
0: never, Caro. No, it
1: could suit
0: you. Now, tell us about bridge conference. Well, Corey, did you get your feathers and fur all? Uh, we lined look.
1: Up? Our team
0: wore a little. Black
1: feather, sort of, you know, fascinator thing on in our hair. We were a bit that's, pathetic. That's not for it.
0: But, but you, you sent me an outfit with somebody who looked like oh, Kimber, the White Lion. They,
1: they were the winners. I've got the photos of them. Um, but my friends Sue and Jane, who we were sharing a house with, they did the full Carmen Miranda—the fruit, the feathers, and their heads <laughs> with maracas. They were hysterical. Sue said, if we're not going to win the bridge, we're going to win. She was a bit disappointed not to win. And next year, she's going to really
0: Do you take have it to seriously. Does, does one have to sit through the entire bridge session with this thing on your head? No, look, <laughs> most people didn't really
1: bother. Although, look, Corey, it, it is the most extraordinary event. It's the biggest bridge congress in the Southern Hemisphere. There were almost 3,000 people in the Gold Coast Convention Centre. You know pretty soon of... you won't be able to gather with that number with coronavirus well, issues. Well, they thought, there were people wearing masks and they, they thought it would happen this year. They couldn't believe that everyone still turned up. Numbers were slightly down, but not really down. For almost 3,000 people, we were in the novice event, our team, and we came 19th out of 40 teams.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Are you in... You well, We actually well, got lots
1: of golden points, and we won.
0: In halfway in the field,
1: Mary and I—well, better than Mary and I probably let the team down a bit. Our partners did brilliantly; they finished way up in because your pairs also perform. Anyway, it's very complicated, but we were happy. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. The first day was like going into an exam. I got really tetchy. There were girls late to get in our minicab, maxi cab. I'm like, come on! You know, I got really. And once you're in there, you play. You basically start at 10.30 and you leave at about quarter to seven, which is dark on the Gold Coast.
0: Oh, my You get Lord. a one-hour
1: break for lunch and you get a 10-minute, 15-minute break between each game and there were four games. What if games. you want to go to the toilet? Well, you can run out the door. But the queues, we went into the men's one day and a bit embarrassing, a bloke walked in and <laughs> was very cross when we walked out. <laughs> they never have enough lavatories for women, let's face it. Um, anyway, it was it like going... It sounds
0: like living hell, Jane, uh, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> it was actually... Look, it's Bridge Addicts Anonymous. It is so much fun. On my left, amazingly, my aunt was playing with people you know very well. My, so they were really close to us. And on my right were two um, two wonderful girls who I know through the AFL, Andrew McKay, former Carlton champion, AFL footy boss Andrew McKay's wife, Jane, was... Uh,
0: sorry. Sam was there. Oh, God, she even gets to name drop. She goes to Bridge I Congress, know. Jane. I
1: know. And, and Pete Campbell and she... from Fox <laughs> Footy, from still his wife, Therese, was there. I mean, it was, I tell you what, there, there were people dressed up in Bridge Star Wars outfits. I'll send you some photos. It was hysterical. Uh, bridge teacher did a big curry night one night. We had girls back for drinks on the last night. We all absolutely, and every night. And when it's night... time out, do you talk about Bridge or do you just Talk about other stuff. Corey. you dream about bridge. I know we talked about other stuff at night, but suddenly the next morning, because you don't start till 10.30 and you're on the Gold Coast, so it's a time difference. So you're up at six. So we had a massive walk and swim every morning, a small group of
0: us. I'm glad you got some exercise and it was, yeah.
1: Oh, we I did more steps than I normally do in Melbourne because we had big walks and we we stayed at Mermaid Waters and the walk. I tell you what, Mermaid Beach, Nobby's Beach. I do. I love the Gold so Coast Beach. It's so beautiful. The beach
0: itself is the, one of and the best in and that's an area
1: that hasn't been destroyed by high rise But anyway, we um we'd just be walking along and someone did because everyone plays the same hand in the entire room. You know that one, did you do the preempt with the two spades? I mean, I swear, but, and on the last night we did a bit of a musical tribute, so it had to be card songs. So we had the gambler, you know, shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> you know that song by the Stones, you're out of time? Sue changed it to you're out of trumps, I swear. I thought I was going to be sick. I was laughing so much. <laughs>
0: Oh, whatever floats and, your boat, I
1: suppose. What's her name? That beautiful singer who did, um, you know, Englishwoman, um, Kate Bush? No, no. More recently, one one word surname, one word Christian name. R- uh, not Rihanna. What's her name? Oh, uh, the blonde one, where, who sang the James Bond. Um, anyway, he, theme. You know, Adele. 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 Oh, Miss Jane, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. There's some really good Adele songs that you can change the words to. I think Adele would be
0: horrified to think that her works of art were ending up at Bridge Congress as a sing along. We had a big laugh with a and bunch then, of eighty year olds. And then Brendan came and joined me, and we went out and ate Morton
1: Bay Bug and drank and a celebrated glass of resignation. Yeah, it was just it was a really lovely weekend. And I can tell you what, Kingscliff North Coast. Near the Gold Coast. you got it gets a bit dodgy with the time difference while daylight savings on because you make a restaurant booking and suddenly you're an hour late or an hour early. But as one of the ladies said to me um, in the local cinema, it's great because if we miss the shops in New South Wales, we just go to the Gold Coast and they're still open. My mother used to do that when she lived on the Gold Coast. It's so back funny. Back and <laughs> It is bizarre the way they don't have daylight saving. Now, Corrie, so that was my week. I had a great week and now it's back to the real world. I came out... Of the Congress, and in that time, coronavirus had gone nuts. You go into a supermarket and there's no lavatory paper. It is extraordinary the way people are stocking up two weeks ahead. In Sydney, my sister tells me, the stock market's crashed. It is What a extraordinary week it's been. But you, despite all of this, are going to tell me about the modern relaxed woman and yeah. what she looks like.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she doesn't Clearly look... not you
1: and me. Well, no, she does look like you. Are
0: you kidding? You've just had all this time off. You're... You're so relaxed. It's scary. You look wonderful, by Ridge the way. Bridge is, is not really relaxing. But anyway, no, yes, you look, go on. Well, you look wonderful. Uh, look, Elizabeth Gilbert, the uh, Don't Hold It Against Her Eat, Pray, love author, she's also uh, a, a terrific novelist um, <laughs> as well as um, having written one of the world's bestsellers, which is a load of rubbish as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but anyway, that's a personal thing. Yeah, I agree. She, she's been touring Australia and she had has been doing a really interesting talk on How women in the modern world are finding it so hard to relax. And I was really interested just to pick up on a couple of her points, which is essentially the modern woman, whether she's a full time worker, whether she's a full time mother, whatever it is, whatever it is, there's so much pressure on us these days to be what we might consider, not the rest of the world, but our definition of perfect. So not only are we dropping kids at school, maybe we're going off to work or maybe we're looking after older parents or maybe we've got an appointment here, an appointment there or whatever, and then we've got to buy the supermarket shopping and we've got to remember the mother-in-law's present and this and that, this and that and everything, that we actually have forgotten how to relax. And when we do decide it's time to relax, we feel guilty. We feel guilty and We are reluctant to tell people that we're having time off, but inside there's this little voice that says, you must not be sitting on the sofa reading a book for half an hour because you've got this to do and that to do and that to do and that to do. Women have a tougher time than men in justify, they try and justify it. And if they can't justify it, they just don't relax. I found this a very interesting premise because, as you know, at the start of the year when we started back on, with our potty and we said what our year's challenges were going to be, one of mine was to be still, to have some time each day where I can just relax and be still and because it's just been too frenetic for too long. And I'm having a bit of trouble with this. Um, I'm trying really hard most days to find that time, but... The thing that is annoying me is the little monster that sits on the back of your shoulder that just says, who are you to be sitting down, relaxing right now with all the things that you have to do? You sound like Peg when you say that. You sound like your mum. Maybe it's the ghost of Peg. I'd, no, my mother was very good at relaxing, Carol. As you know, she'd pick us up from school and then she'd sit down with a cup of tea and play patience for an hour before she cooked dinner. Mum was very good at relaxing, just, just saying. No, but, but
1: I don't understand why you're feeling guilty about this. This is terrible. We need to work on this. Well, we do.
0: But it's interesting. I'd be really interested to hear from what listeners. What do you
1: want to do when you relax?
0: I want to be able to... I have a clear mind that I ha- – well, first of all, the other thing too Elizabeth says is, you know, our sense of, have I earned this? So my feeling is always, I have earned this. So, for example, on the weekend, I came back to work at the shop on Sunday, but at Saturday I was at the beach, and a pretty clear day before I started my babysitting duties. And in the morning, I thought, I'm just going to read the paper with a cup of tea. I've earned this because I've stripped the beds, I've done the washing, I've got everything ready for grandchildren, I've earned this – What's about earning to read the paper? It's I know. crackers, isn't it? Well, that's well. It's funny. So I'm interested I... to hear whether listeners have a similar kind of feeling about this.
1: I had lunch with a couple of girlfriends last year who I catch up with occasionally. We all had kids at school together, and we had this very conversation. And one of them, Louise, said, "No, no, it's not reading, and it's not catching up on some series on, you know, Netflix. We have to learn to sit and do nothing." Yep. Her thing is, you actually have to stop, and it isn't even lying down and having a nap, it is just sitting. Mm. And I'm actually, I try and do that not, clearly not every day. I mean, to me, you know, you can go to a yoga session, you can do the crossword, read the paper, have a cup of tea, and watch something on the telly. But it is amazing how
0: apparently it is really good for you to just sit and do nothing. Even well, for 15 minutes. Caro, I I, I, off, I should be practicing what I preach, truth be told, because I have customers who come into the shop, for whatever reason, they've fallen off the reading train. You know, maybe they've had a baby or they've been unwell or they're just not focused or too busy at work, whatever it might be. And I say, look, you've got to do this because it's good for your mental health. You know, see it as a form of exercise. Don't feel guilty because you're reading a book. Elizabeth Gilbert said, which is really interesting, there is power in calm. So what we need to do is start thinking like her. And she says... Every martial artist knows that the most relaxed person in the room is the one with the power. And she says, it's not the richest person. It's not the strongest one. It's not the whitest person or the male in the room. It's the person who has peace with themselves and is calm and has had time off to just meditate or reflect or whatever who actually comes back into that room in a calm space and they actually hold the power. It's a bit obity boobity but it's quite interesting, this whole... So I just was very interested to read that. And the other thing too is Elizabeth says that you've got to stop responding to other people's expectations, particularly family members. So if you say to a family member, uh, I'm just going into the garden to read for half an hour. Don't listen to when they say, "What about dinner? What about me? What about you?" Said you were going to drive me down to the shop, so just ignore that and tell them that it's very important for your self development that you have this time. So there you go. That, I just thought, found and found hopefully such no an interesting... one.
1: Hopefully, there's no one saying that to you these days.
0: Well, now, oh, Carol, I told you off air that I had just had. A bit of yes. an argument with a family member, and I didn't want to go into it. Oh, no, no, but, <laughs> but, but in terms of. But basically, I was why didn't you drive told, me down to the shops? I, was, I mean, that's uh, not happening. I was anyway. questioned about why I was seeing Rosie, my personal trainer. And I just said, because if I don't have a core that works and a body that works, I can't stand in the shop for 10 hours. It's this questioning and this justification of particularly. Yes. I think women no, have no, to do it, right. you know what I mean? Now, anyway, there you go.
1: Now, Corrie, I'm going to change the subject because I have a big crush. This week. Oh, good. And he is named Mac Horton. Mac Horton, who took a stand last year against a Chinese drug cheat, um, who is now a proven drug cheat and has in fact been banned for eight years. Has Mac- he given back that medal yet? Well well, in fact, Mac Horton, you know, probably should jump up a notch from the World Championships last year because he was the one who bravely Refused to get on the podium, shake his hand, and and I just thought he was absolutely well. He was smashed by some people. I thought Swimming Australia were not nearly supportive enough of Mac Horton at the national Chan- world championships. They took their time standing up. I'm so glad I saw him at the footy uh, footy final last year. He was there as a guest. I went and shook his hand, and I said. Um, what you did was so unbelievably good and I think a lot of people had said that to him. He's now been completely vindicated and, as he said, he was so gracious after the ban was announced because what this guy had done was smash his own blood vials and, you know, his his management said, oh, no, but they were illegal tests and all this absolute crap. Anyway, he's now been banned. He should never have been allowed to come back and compete in the first place. And Mac Horton put out a statement saying it was never about him. It was about drug cheating, in you know, as a general topic. And that was what I was taking a stand against. And it was really brave. It put him at odds with sponsors. It put him at odds with the usual nuff-nuffs who don't understand these things. Um, there are people who kowtow to China in world swimming and world athletics, and it's pathetic. So Mac Horton is my crush Well, of the can week. I just
0: say, Corfield Grammar, in your decision not to call your swimming pool the Mac Horton Swimming Pool, could you just rethink that? Because I'm with you, Caro. I think he's a big star. And let's hope... Brave man. If we get to the Good Olympics... Good role model for children. If we get
1: to the Olympics, I really hope he wins the 400 freestyle.
0: BSF, Caro. And you have a book, which oh, look, I have read, so I'm dying to hear what and you I,
1: I I know you've already given it a plug on the podcast, but look...
0: I just I'm ab- glad you are because I've got about 40 copies at the shop so if you talk an, it up I yeah. might have a chance of selling. Well, <laughs> it's an
1: absolute page turner. I lent it to my hope you don't mind, I lent it to our friend Mary, my bridge partner when I when she left the Gold Coast. I said just I started reading it on the plane. You gave it to me before I left. Yeah, and and Anna wants to uh, wants to read it too, oh, so well, a bit of be- boomerang back to her. Yes, no no no, absolutely. It is called The House of Trelawney. It's by Hannah Rothschild, um daughter of Jacob Rothschild, so one of the one of the family. Mm. And she's a
0: very good writer. She's had a couple of successes in the past.
1: She has. She's written a few novels and I really want you to um, get me the next one, please, or a previous one. Mm. But this is just your classic page turner set in Cornwall. Just picture it The ancient family home, the house of Trelawney, Trelawney that goes back, I don't know, 500 years, one of the longest reigning families who've kept their family home. The family have been, you know, basically basically turned, made the right decisions and been on the right side of history at every turn up until about the last 50 years when they've all gone to the bad. Um, The roof is about to collapse. They're living in squalor. The current Lord Rothschild is...
0: Not Lord Rothschild.
1: Oh, what is he? The current...
0: Earl of whatever, uh, yes. Yeah.
1: He's, um, he's gone into the workforce and not doing very well and making a lot of bad investment. His son is a ne'er-do-well. I clearly see there is going to be a sequel to this one. The, the characters that come into it, including um, the dying best friend's daughter who arrives, Maharaj's stepdaughter, arrives from India and turns out to have some very strong links with the family. Um, there are three children, the son who loves the house, the son who goes to work in the stock market and is a complete tosser. Um, the middle daughter who falls become, develops a major relationship with the spinster aunt who is turns out to be an absolute eco eco champion and has been earning all this money the on professor. the side and no no one even knows about it. And her it. special subject is fleas. Oh, of wish there
0: are quite a few at this old house. But,
1: Corrie, the parts of Cornwall it describes and where we were. I mean, it, it describes a lot of places that we went to along that south coast. They have an estuary. They have a wood. They have a farm. They have It just sounds like the most beautiful part of the world. And the family is fascinating. And the wife who marries into it. and Oh, look, it's just great. Yeah, good rollicking read, as they say. Good rollicking read. Now, um, The House of Trelawney by Hannah Rothschild, I really recommend it. You won't be able to put it down. Corrie, you have a screen. I have a
0: screen. Uh, I don't want to talk about that because you possibly didn't see it, the... um ABC Sunday night series with Kate Blanchett. Yeah, we watched it. Oh, you did watch it? it. They, they had they had TV in the Gold Coast. <laughs> I thought you and, Brenda, Coast. you and Brenda might have still been out having champagne. Although at the Gold Coast, as I remember, when my mother lived there, you tend to be home tucked up by 8pm well, we, we, we had a late lunch on Sunday at I reckon the, one of the best
1: restaurants in Australia. It's called Fleet in Brunswick Heads. Okay. I can't believe we, we went there
0: for the second time. Another GLT. We were back in time to watch Stateless. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't want to talk about stateless today because oh, okay. uh, I'd like to talk about that another time if we can because I just want to put on alert because we're into the, we're into the I think the third episode is this week so I really want potties to catch up with this one. It's called Dublin Murders. It's on SBS on Wednesdays at 8 30 pm there are eight episodes. Oh, I read about this. It went to air in the UK last week. It's set in Dublin. It's based on two actually combined books the very very good crime writer Tara Moss, I think her name is. Tara Moss? No, not Tara Moss. She's the model. Two detectives, Cara, Rob and Cassie. Rob Riley, who is uh, an English detective with a bit of a past and Cassie Maddox, his offsider, his partner. They, are they two, always have
1: a past. And
0: she is Iris and she also has a past, they are pulled in to investigate the murder of a 13-year-old girl, Katie, who was found dead in the local woods in a... Tarna kind of French,
1: by the way. Oh, Tana
0: French. What did yep. I say? Tara Moss. I'm way off there. It turns out that Katie has, has been found dead in the local woods, the same really spooky woods as three children disappeared uh, 20 years earlier. Two were never found and one, Adam, reappeared covered in blood, which was not his own, and a T-shirt that had been deliberately slashed and no memory whatsoever of what had happened. This has happened 20 years early. Now, this um, where we're at with uh, the two detectives, it's 2006, Caro, so we have to go back to the 1980s when all of this happened. Really interesting cast of characters. Um, Some of the children and teenagers who were surrounding this case 20 years earlier and now uh, adults 30 years earlier are now adults in the group they're part of the village the number of suspects is huge but also you just keep coming back to these two detectives because not all is what it seems I'm going to just leave it there but really beautifully photographed Ireland looks fantastic like even Dublin who which I've never thought is the prettiest of European cities looks uh cold bleak wonderful they've really captured it so well highly recommend it and it is called Dublin Murders SBS Wednesdays.
1: Okay, well, that sounds terrific. And now you're going to go straight into, in line with what we have vowed to do for a month, simple recipes. You often do fish tacos. I finally made them a few weeks ago, and now I'm making them all the time as well. But I want your perfect fish taco recipe, okay, please. Okay,
0: made these on Saturday nights with the um, granddaughters, although I kept obviously kept the chilli and paprika part out of it. So what I did, Carol, was uh, there was no flathead, which I like to use at the fish shop, so I ended up using snapper. There was no flake either, which was a bit of a bummer. So flake oh. or flathead are really good, I have to say. And what you do with your uh, plain flour is that you mix in chili powder, paprika, ground cumin, cayenne pepper, and um, you... You um, batter up your pieces of fish. Cut you them. chuck it all
1: in a big bag, don't you,
0: and shake it. That's well, I what didn't I do. do the bag. I just did it on the plate, and then in a you um, know fry pan with vegetable oil um, and a bit of salt and pepper, you cook up your uh, fish, and at the same time you've got your corn tortillas happening. And well,
1: see, I prefer flour. I don't I'm not so mad on corn tortillas. I
0: mean, and. With the fish tacos? Yeah, you wrap them up. Or you you can use burritos or you can use tacos or whatever, yeah. Um, And then, of course, you do a salsa thing if you want to. So, you know, we obviously had the avocado and the spring onion and all that sort of stuff happening as well. And the lettuce and the tomato all cut up. And then basically you just take your fish off and stick it in the middle of all this stuff, in the middle of your burrito or your taco or whatever it is. So you've got your round
1: tortilla. Do you put the lettuce down first or the, the avocado? No, I always put the sloppy stuff first. So avocado.
0: Avocado. and then, Yeah, and then and layer it. And then the fish, which is quite dry because you've drained it on your paper, absorbent paper. It's just fantastic. It's just such a hit. And for the little girls, ours are a bit young, as I said, for that whole pepper combo. So they just had the plain flour. But if you've got kids, everybody just loves putting together their own burrito or taco or whatever. It's so much fun to just have a big board of all this stuff and everybody. And and, and you can do cheese as well. We didn't do cheese, but you can put cheese on. So that's your, my fish taco. What do you do?
1: Well, pretty similar, except Clem's got this great um, Mexican corn salad recipe. So And it, it's got corn and onion and oh, it's got lots of yummy things, coriander. I reckon you've got to have coriander. Oh,
0: yeah. So I forgot to mention the coriander. Little girls didn't eat that, but we put it on. our fish with on. the corn yeah.
1: and the tomato and avocado and a bit of lettuce. Now, Corrie, you're grumpy today. Uh Yeah,
0: I am grumpy. Lots of things to be grumpy about. I'm sort of, in hindsight, grumpy when I watched the most excellent Q&A last, the other night on the ABC and I saw Nova Paris talking about how she was racially attacked during her brief time in Parliament. I just thought, what a loss. How sad. I felt really angry that um, a good woman like her had been hustled out of Parliament for all the wrong reasons, mainly to do with racism. But what's really... Got up my craw this morning. Caro is Prince Andrew yet again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know. I'm the royal watcher. Does it make you grumpy? It made me laugh. Well, the mirror, the mirror in England overnight reported Prince Andrew is still earning money from the Queen despite being sacked from duties, and um, apparently there, there was also an article on the weekend in the Express saying that the royal snub Prince Andrew is furious that Beatrix and Eugenie, having offered themselves to stand in. Uh, for you know to do queen activities because for dead. yeah no no queen activities dead. no no because uh, no the, because the queen is getting older people like Sophie Duchess of Wessex and um obviously Kate and Wills the whole family princess Anne's been doing it for years but they're all standing up and filling in for the queen right in different organisations she represents different things so the queen's schedule has been cut back because she's 93 apparently Beatrice, Beatrice and Eugenie said, well, we're happy to help. You know, we don't mind going to the odd thing representing the Queen. And they've been told no thanks, which I think probably is coming from Prince Charles, who wants them off the payroll, out of the family. But Prince Andrew is furious about this. I'm sorry, Andrew, you have no right to be, given what's going on in your life at the moment. And then, Carol, this article comes out from the Daily Beast saying Prince Andrew's go-to seduction move is to let women sit on the Queen's throne. What? (laughs) Prince Andrew is making a habit of seating his potential conquests on the Queen's throne at Buckingham Palace as part of a routine to woo them. The Daily Beast... It's a pretty...
1: pretty, Sort of unusual seduction act, isn't it? The Daily
0: Beast it? understands after a friend of the model, Capri, said Andrew allowed her to sit on the throne after they'd had a nice dinner in his private apartment in Buckingham Palace. She was invited to sit on the throne and then he also led her onto the balcony where she was encouraged to wave to imaginary
1: crowds. <laughs> he's, he's a seriously. And
0: Jane, didn't you have a little piece of gossip you told me earlier? It was also in that article that one of his dates had eyed off a piece of china, like a bowl somewhere in the palace and said,
1: oh, I wouldn't mind that. My mum would like that. Can I steal it? He let the
0: lady steal it and post it to her mum. Could have been a family heirloom. Mm, I wonder what she had to do in return. (laughs) Well, Oh, what a grubby individual he is. I, I can't believe, you know, when I was about 12 or 13, I had a crush on... Him and Donny Osmond. I mean, Donny Osmond, don't get me like, do not say anything about Donny Osmond. He's my pin-up for life, right? But mm. Prince Andrew, what was mm. I thinking? Well, was he I was, was
1: a good-looking one at the time. Oh. Now, now, Corrie, it's time for six quick questions. And while we're on pantry matters, or we were, have you done any stocking up?
0: No. For coronavirus, no. Nothing. No extra toilet paper, no extra anything. You're still shaking hands and kissing people? Interesting you should say that, Carol. I went to a business meeting yesterday afternoon in the CBD and I put my hand forward and the person said, oh, I'm not sure. And we made a joke about it and I said, oh, no, fair enough. But sitting on the boardroom table was the um, alcohol alcohol wash, hand wash. Yep. Hand sanitizer. You're seeing it everywhere. It was every, it was
1: everywhere at Congress. Was and it? Someone said to me, "The trick is not to touch the lavatory door, like when you walk out of the cloakroom."
0: How do you do that? How do you get up?
1: You you put your hand inside your, you go like that. Oh, inside, inside your cardigan, your cardigan or, something. or your jacket. I mean, or, or put some toilet paper around your hand. Look, oh, I don't.
0: Know. Well, I must say that the shop, our shop, we've had a lolly jar on the counter for ten years. It's one of our um, favourite things for the children and so on, and some. Millennials with hangovers and work. millennials with hangovers on Sunday, but I actually officially declared last Friday the lolly jar has to come off the counter oh. until the coronavirus. Look at your face. Well, I mean, <laughs> no more snacks for you. Okay, Caro, Queen, the band, is it time to hang up their guitars? No, no, it's they are fantastic.
1: They were Why great. do you say this? What, because did you fit in a concert while you are at Congress? I did, I did. Oh that Queen God. played on the Gold Congress Coast.
0: Congress is a riot, Jane, we've got to go. Well, well I got in well, touch well, with... Did they play in front of the 3,000 bridge people? No, Adam Lambert probably, and Queen Probably their demographic, dare I say.
1: Were performing at Metro. No, well there's you're wrong again. They played at Metricon Stadium, the home of the Gold Coast Suns, and um, I was in touch with Mark Evans, their CEO, while I was up there because I wanted to check out the new post-Commonwealth Games facilities. I caught up with, I did a bit of work, went and caught up with the Suns, met some of their women footballers, etc. had lunch out there. And um, Mark said, are you here on Saturday night? Because Queen's coming. It was the last show of their entire tour in Australia. Unlike Brisbane, where it was pouring with rain, it was a beautiful night. Um, we went to the Chairman's Club and went to Queen, met, were caught up with their wacky eccentric president, Tony Cochrane. caught up with Stewie Dew, the coach, and um, your former Premiership player and his lovely wife Sarah, Adam Lambert is look he's not Freddie Mercury, and we could have done out done without Brian May's rather long guitar hero solo at one point, and Brendan was you know um the other um, former member of Queen who's still in the band Roger yes anyway Brendan was convinced that. He looked like Neil Mitchell and kept referring to him as Neil Mitchell all night. He didn't have a great voice and he sang, I'm in love with my car, which Freddie, the character, actually bagged in the movie Queen as well. But look, um,
0: it It was It would have been quite confusing to the uh, the Brisbane people, the Queensland people, the Neil Mitchell reference if Brendan kept saying Neil (laughs) Mitchell. Well, it was
1: only him and me sitting there. But Adam Lambert is brilliant. Did you dance? He's not. We did. We did. They M- played. Mosh pit visit? Well, no, we were in sort of VIP seats, so of we were pretty lucky. Were. But we still got up and danced, as did many others, including Richard Goyda, the chairman of the AFL, West Farmers Which boss. songs
0: did you dance to?
1: Um, uh, Well, Mr. Fahrenheit, always one of my all-time favourites, Killer Queen, Radio Gaga. Crazy Little Thing
0: Called Love. Crazy
1: Little Thing Called Love, Fat Bottom Girls. They well, you, played you just, you,
0: So you were on your feet the whole time dancing?
1: We Will Rock You, We Are The Champions, you name it. It was, look. Adam Lambert has got an unbelievable voice and is a great actor. So, no, they should stick around. Corrie, is it true you cried the other night during Australian Story?
0: Yes, I did because it was on Marlon Pickett, your chap, now to mention. I watched it. (laughs) I'm getting in early for the season. I'm mentioning Richmond football player. I'm the first one to mention it this year. Yes, it was a very touching, moving story about his journey from uh, prison where he served a sentence for robbery uh, and his journey back, t- back to the land of um, football and the way he was brought into the Richmond Premiership winning team last year. And he credits his lovely partner, Jessica, and the four kids for helping him with his return. Not a dry eye in our house. Yeah, it was lovely a lovely story. Archie, oh, I love Australian story. It's yeah. a great well, show. Well, how
1: they how they got him and Dustin Martin and all the, and and the the free, South Fremantle uh, director who's obviously been a mentor to him, and and the wife Jessica.
0: I mean, she was the star of the show. Yeah, I Yeah, she was. But it was really it was just a really good show. And Very... your, and your Jack Revolt, I thought, spoke outstandingly. Oh, he's Carol... a star.
1: Very quickly, while we we're on the Tigers, March two was the anniversary of the famous speech by Brendan Gale to all the troops when. He came to the club and what he wanted to do. Talked about the decades of failure. And do his we love mark the club. this as
0: a national holiday? Have a, It's on the Richmond website. The speech. It hey, okay, on to other things. Now, just talking <laughs> about. Uh, there's been a lot of bin activity uh, in Melbourne. Bin discussion while you've been on Congress. Um, and pretty soon, every council in Melbourne is going to have five bins or four bins per four. household. Do you want a red bin? What's the red I bin do, for? I do, and I
1: don't know what all the What's fuss the is red about bin for? glass. Oh right,
0: oh yeah, I yeah, do yeah I do not know
1: want... why people are carrying on about. Um, there, there seems to be this anti-movement in both the media and in certain sides of politics, and saying what a bad thing a red bin is
0: going to be. You don't have to have huge bins. It's another way. Of... There is a storage issue. I do get this. I do understand why some, particularly people who live in blocks of flats, it's going to be very problematic, all these bins. but Shared red bin. Look, honestly, I we need to you. recycle. And I still know
1: people, bizarrely, who don't recycle cardboard and glass and plastic. We have to do it. If we, we have to do it. It is no longer we should do it. And I do not understand why there is this backlash against red bins. So, yes, I'll be getting one with pride, Corrie. Corrie. What's the weirdest thing you remember from your primary school days? Why am
0: I asking you this? Because it came back to haunt me, haunt my memory bank the other day. Somebody had vomited in the village <laughs> oh. and I just remembered when kids would vomit in, in, the village. Vomit, vomit in assembly or somewhere at school, the teachers would rush around with a big tub of sawdust yep, and they'd throw right. the door to sawdust immediately yeah, on the, the seat. We had that. We did that. Yeah, but the sort it, it doesn't disappear. Somebody's still got to pick it up. But we used to think that was just uh, like it was de rigueur, I suppose.
1: I remember a girl did it in grade three and it left these big sort of white marks on the desk. Yeah. You know those old desks we
0: used to yeah, have? Yeah, it seeps in. Oh. Um, the other thing, of course, which is a bit weird when you think about it, was the milk that would be delivered and you'd have it at playtime or better known as recess, and um, the milk would often be delivered before nine o'clock, and playtime wasn't until eleven. And it was warm, and if it'd sit in the some idiot would put it in the sun, and you would come out, and all the teachers would say, "Your milk's ready," and we were, even then I, we knew that wasn't healthy.
1: Oh, I remember starting school in prep, and every day I would spill my milk down my apple smock. <coughs> every single would add a big apple on it, and everyone called me Miss Apple. I hated prep. <laughs> I couldn't do up my shoelaces. I was clearly too young. Clearly too young.
0: Um, what's your GLT? When
1: you are in a cab or an Uber, talk to your driver. You never know what you will find out. We had an Uber driver the other day and Brendan, newly arrived on the north coast, said to the Uber driver, oh, your name's Brendan, my name's Brendan too. The driver said, "Um, Irish? Brendan said, yes. Where are your parents from? Well, my father came out in 1952. He's from Mullingar. Brendan said, my father is also from Mullingar. Unbelievable. They came out to Australia six months apart. They both went to work for the Victorian Railways. It was this conversation. This lovely man, Brendan, ended up coming back to our hotel, leaving us a note. He'd looked up the boat that his dad had come on. It wasn't the same boat as Brendan's father, Ted, but it was six months, I think, later. It was just the most extraordinary coincidence.
0: This feels like an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Well, I said to Brendan,
1: it's almost like Ted has given his blessing to your decision to resign from Channel 7. He's come back to you in a... That,
0: that's the sort of thing I would say. I that's know. not like you to say that. But isn't that amazing? That's very already... Bo- you know what? You'll be reading Star Signs before we finish. But it was finished. such
1: a lovely sort of coincidence. And it turned out this lovely boy, man, Brendan's brother, Bill, worked with me at the Herald many, many years ago. Anyway, he came back and drove us to the Queen concert, which is quite a big drive. It... <laughs> It was always, you never know what you're going to find out. Life, the world is a village, Corrie. The world is a village. That is my GLT. On that
0: note.
1: On that note. If you would like to become a part of the Don't Shoot the Messenger family and grow your business's profile via a connection with our podcast, we'd love you to sponsor us. You can get in touch with our beautiful Miss Jane via feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Also, send us your feedback and your comments to that email address or join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using the handle at Don't Shoot Pod. Corrie, it's almost that time of the year again. And what does that mean? It means that our footy tipping competition is about to kick off. My mind was racing. What time of year is it? It's officially autumn, believe it or not. I don't know what happened to summer. Did it ever come? I'm not sure. Maybe (laughs) we'll get it now. You were in a convention centre on the Gold Coast. How would you know? Well, I've actually... I tell you what, I could... That north coast of New South Wales... Sunday night we were at the local surf club dancing to a local band. We had an absolute
0: boy. You had it. It's like you've had a second honeymoon, you oh, two. we had the
1: best holiday. It was short but very, very sweet. Corrie, what do we say?
0: No, wait on before you say that the oh. forty tipping competition is starting again. That's what I just said, didn't I? Yes, but we have to give details on that. Jane, would you like to tell people what oh, they can okay. do? Oh, okay. Sorry, Jane. No details yet. We'll send you the links.
1: On oh, okay. All our Sorry. When okay. It's okay. No, it's off. just that a few
0: people have been asking me how do I get on board. Stay tuned, everyone. And Corey, don't shoot the messenger.